rivers of living water on talkzone.com. Rivers of Living Water is here to turn our thirsty world into a garden of Eden, freely pouring out the word of God to our desolate world. Now, here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Welcome to our program this morning. We're going to be talking this morning about love, and everyone seems to be wanting to talk about that subject. But, you know, a lot of things that are called love today are really not love at all. We we love our dog. We love our cat. You know, we we love our car. We, we love this. We love that. But the love that I want to talk to you about this morning is more than that. It's the love of God that gives. And, you know, so much as a love is give me. And that kind of love is not the kind that's going to do us any good or do anyone else any good. The kind of love we need is the love that God has, the love that God gives us. And that love is a self-giving love and doesn't say, give me. It says, how can I give to you? How can I reach out and help you? How can I be an encouragement and a strength to you? And so this is the kind of love we need today. We need the love that will not ask for ourselves, but will be willing to give to others. At the seed of this love is benevolence. How much are we willing to give of ourselves, of our time, of our talents, of our treasure, in order to make our world a better place to live because we're not being hateful, we're not being mean-spirited, we're reaching out to others and in our communities, in our churches, our businesses, our homes, our schools, wherever that may be, if we have this kind of love, the love that is willing to look out for other people's interests, even if it hurts us to do that, then we would live in a very good world. But we find that this is not, for the most part, the kind of love, in quotes, that we see today. Much of what is passed off as love is not love at all. Some of it would be better defined as lust. And there's a world of difference between lust and love. As we can see as I'm talking to you this morning. So we need the kind of love that God gives, the kind of love that God gave to us. And if we're ever going to accomplish anything that's of any value, there has to be at the basis of all of that, this kind of love. There are many things in the world today that come at us that are not lovable at all. And sometimes we think that it isn't lovable when it really is. Sometimes we need to have tough love. We need to say no to people. 
some people get the idea that if you say no to them or if you tell them what they're doing is detrimental, that you're not being loving. As a matter of fact, we even have a law called hate crimes because we're trying to help people that are self-destructing themselves and the society. And when we try to do that, who's really being hateful? We're not. Christians are not hateful. Christians do not hate. As a matter of fact, the Lord said, vengeance is mine, I will repay. It tells, the Bible tells us that we are to even love our enemies, that we're to wish good on our enemies. And real love will do that. But the kind of love we have today is the kind of love that you let me have my way, then you love me. But if you don't let me do what I want to do, you hate me. No, we may not hate you. We may hate you if we let you do what you want to do, if what you're doing is destructive to yourself and to others. So we need to ask ourselves, are we really loving? Are we really willing to go the second mile? Are we willing to take off what belongs to us to give to someone else if that will help them in their life? And Jesus made it real clear that those who really love will love everyone. The Bible tells us that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. This is the kind of love that we're talking about, the kind of love that God had. God looked down at us, and he saw that we were a mess. He saw that we could not help ourselves. So what did he do? Did he just throw us away and forget us? No, he did something about it. Real love, when they see a need in someone else, is going to do something about it. They're going to do their best to try to take care of that need that people have. So what are we really doing today? Are we really loving? Are we willing to give of our best, not just what's left over? And at the basis of that love, the starting point is loving God. Then we can love others more completely. I'll be talking to you about this as as we go along this morning. But you know, there is a love that is supernatural, that we cannot do ourselves as much as we try. We have something inside of us that is selfish, self-centered. And that kind of a thing in us will not allow us to love like we want to or like we should. That kind of love, like I said, is a give-me love. But the love of God is the one that came down from heaven, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he didn't have to. The Lord gave him the choice. You know, he had a choice of whether he would or not. But Jesus loves us as well.
Not only does God the Father love us, but God the Son loves us, and also the Holy Spirit. And we know that these three are united in one. So, God loves us supremely. Jesus has been interceding for people for over 2,000 years now. As he went into heaven, when he resurrected, went into heaven, now he's seated at the right hand of God the Father, interceding for us. He's pleading for us. He's pleading on our behalf. That's the kind of love that I'm talking about, an eternal love. A love that doesn't say, well, I'll just go so far, and if you'll go with me that far, then everything will be all right, but my love ends here. The kind of love that I'm talking about, it doesn't end. It is willing to go as far as need be. Parents need this kind of love today. Pastors need this kind of love for their people today. The kind of love that I'm talking about is that we need this kind of love even for ourselves. We need God's love. We need the kind of love that the Holy Spirit sheds abroad in our hearts and enables us to be more than conquerors over the things that are unlovely, the things that are unkind. And we have a lot of that today. We have that coming from people who are professing to be loved, that are professing to love you. But people who really love you are not going to be aggressive toward you. They're not going to try to tear you apart the first time you cross them the wrong way. We have so much of this kind of love that it just goes so far. I'll love you if you love me. Otherwise, forget about it. That's not the kind of love I'm talking about either. If Jesus would have taken that kind of love toward us, we would be hopelessly lost today. But Jesus, even when we were without strength to help ourselves, when we were even enemies of his, he came and died for us anyhow. He gave the ultimate price. The ultimate price is dying. People do that all the time when they go to war for the country. They're willing to lay down their life for the country. They're willing to even perhaps there are people who are willing to lay down their lives for their families. A person who has a real love for their family would do that and not even think about it. So there is this love that we have, this affection that we have that causes us to be willing to make the ultimate sacrifice of laying our lives down. But, you know, the greatest love is not the kind of love that would die for someone. The greatest love is the one that would live for someone. There would be a lot less divorces today if we had this kind of love if we had the kind of love that would sacrifice for the wife and the wife for the husband and the children for the family, they would be thinking of the family honor and this kind of a thing and would 
respect their parents as the Bible teaches us. And I'll be going through some of these things as well. You know, we need this kind of love more than ever before. The Bible tells us that in the last days, the love of many would wax cold, that there would be no love. There would be a lot of things called love, and the Bible talks to us about that too, about calling evil good and good evil, casting a stumbling block before people and things like this. This would never happen if we have the kind of love that I'm talking to you about today. The kind of love that I'm talking about has boundaries, and we're going to be talking about those boundaries today. It just doesn't let everything go. It doesn't. It does have some things sometimes when it says don't do it, as well as times go ahead and do it. So we're coming close to the end of our first segment, and I appreciate you coming and being a part of us this morning. I trust that what we'll be telling you will help you to come to the place where you will have the kind of love that will transform your life and transform your family, your community, and everything else. So this is Howard Eugene Wright, and you're listening to Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com. Now, more Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. Welcome back to our program today. I, it's so wonderful to know that, that God has the kind of love that we're talking about today. There are boundaries to real love. Love doesn't just go off in a thousand different directions. There has to be some boundaries. You know, if a, a river is flowing down the stream, the power of the river is because it has boundaries. It has banks, and that water can flow down through there. If it doesn't have boundaries, it's not a, a stream at all. It's more like a lake, isn't it? And But the Bible does have boundaries. And we call those the Ten Commandments. The lawyer came to Jesus one day and he, he said, What is the greatest commandment? Now, the Lord could have started quoting one of these Ten Commandments to tell him what the greatest commandment was. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all of your heart, soul, and mind your strength, to love God with everything that's within you. And then he said the second one is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So this sums up the Ten Commandments. You know, the sad thing is when people want to not to display the Ten Commandments in public, they don't want to have anything to do with the Ten Commandments the Ten Commandments starts out with talking about loving God. Four of those are related to God. The last six are related to people. 
The first four is talking about loving God with everything that's within us. The last six is showing us how to love our neighbor as ourselves. So I want to go through these commandments. I trust that you know what they are. Some people can't quote them. They they have not looked at them for a long time. They maybe think that the Ten Commandments are irrelevant to our situation. But the truth of the matter is, the commandments of the Lord are never irrelevant. God's Word is settled in heaven. It doesn't make any difference how much we want to change it down here and and maybe make the words not quite as strong and everything. And a lot of people don't want to talk about the Ten Commandments because there's so many thou shalt nots in the Ten Commandments. But let's, let's talk about them today, and I think we'll find that, that it's not as bad as we think. You know, sometimes we think, oh, if I can't do this and I can't do that, then God doesn't love me, people don't love me, we get depressed. No, God loves you, and because he does love you, he's telling you what to do and what not to do in order for you to have the most in life. The Bible tells us, and Jesus himself was the one who said it, I am come that they might have life and that they might have more abundant life. Jesus didn't come to take your privileges away from you. He came to show you what the best thing is for your life. After all, God created it. He ought to know what's best for it. So the Ten Commandments is really the natural commandments. They're built right into the universe. So these Ten Commandments go as so. The first one is, I am the Lord your God, which have brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. So the Lord is identifying himself as the one who did this. You see, God never asked anything of us that he's not willing to do something for us in return. As a matter of fact, we can't have the kind of love that I'm talking about without God's Holy Spirit shedding that love abroad in our heart. And we'll talk about that later on as well. But he says, you shall have no other gods before me. There are things out there that are called gods. There is one religion that has over three million of them, I think. And, you know, a God for everyone. And that may be your God, but that's not my God. And this kind of a thing. Actually, there's only one true and living God. And all the others are just counterfeits or uh, wanting to be God. There are people who want to lord it over you. There are organizations that want to do that. And they use the laws and everything else. So, but we're to have no other gods before us. Don't even think about it. There's only one God. And his name is Jesus. His name is God the Father. His name is the Holy Spirit. So there's only one. And he said, the next commandment is, you shall not make to you any graven image. Any graven image. 
try to make an image of what God looks like. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. You know, we would we would like to see what God looks like. If you want to know what God looks like, then look at what Jesus looked like. That's what God looks like. God is a spirit. You don't see him in a physical form. Now, he has showed up as an angel of the Lord and, and things like this, but he said that, that uh, not to make unto yourself any graven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above. Some people worship the stars. We have a lot of, of not astronomy, but astrology today. And they worship the stars. Anything you put above God, you're worshiping that. Some people worship their jobs. They worship this, they worship the other. And he said, uh, anything on the earth or anything beneath the earth. We're not to make any kind of graven image. Now, that's been a problem of people from the very beginning, to make graven images, to make images that will make them think about God, that they can say, well, that's my God. Some people have a God they put on a shelf, and what can that God do for you? We need a God that can take care of all of our problems. An idol, a graven image, is something dead. It can't talk to you. It can't walk. It can't see. can't hear. You can pray to it as long as you want to, but it won't hear you. You can ask it to go and do something for you. It'll sit right there. There's nothing that a graven image can do for you. But there's a lot of people who would rather worship something they can see than to worship something they can't see. But the beautiful thing about it is that we can feel the presence of God, a very real thing. So we don't need a graven image. We don't need some kind of a thing that we call the likeness that will that we can worship that. Matter of fact, people who are doing that don't realize it, but they're many times worshiping the devil. And the Bible talks about the devil as being the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. It also talks about him as being the god of this world. And so we have to make a choice as to whether we're going to worship the true and living God or we're going to set up something else and worship that. There is no one in the world that doesn't worship something. We have that feeling of worship inside of us, and we're going to worship something, whether or not it may be our, you know, anything that we set up before God can be worshiping that. But the Lord said that you're not to bow down to them, you're not to serve them, and because he says that I'm a jealous God. I visit the iniquities of the fathers upon the children unto the third and fourth generation. You see, when we don't worship God, we bring all kinds of misery upon ourselves and upon those who will follow us. 
we need to have an example of what real love is. And we really can't love anyone or anything if we don't have this first level of love. And that is the first love of loving God with everything that's within you. And then he says he's showing mercy to thousands of those who love him and keep his commandments. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And there's the commandment that God gives us is to love one another, to put ourselves on the line for other people. This is what God has called upon us to do. So we need to love one another, and we can't do that if we don't love God. And if we don't love one another whom we can see, how can we love God whom we don't see? The Bible talks about that as well. So, you know, we just need to have this kind of love that God has, which puts God first. It puts him first in everything. And so we have a real love for the, the God who loved us first who came and gave himself for us and provided a perfect salvation for us. We're up on our next break. I'm glad that we're talking about something that's helpful to you today. So be sure and come back. And so this is Howard Eugene Wright at Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Welcome back. As you know, we're talking about love today, the kind of love that God has for us, and the kind of love we need to have for Him and for the people around us. And we're going through the Ten Commandments because that is the basis of our love. This is the boundaries that we have set that will enable us to love the most, is to have uh, regulations. You know, everything that we have, we have to regulate it. If it's going to really do good, we wouldn't think about taking a piece of machinery and just letting it run wild out there. It'd, It'd blow itself to pieces, wouldn't it? If we run wild and we don't have any regulations on our life, we're going to fall to pieces too. And that has happened to our society big time. Our society is falling into pieces because we don't want God's telling us what to do. We don't want anyone else telling us to do. We'll do our own thing. That brings bondage. That's what happened with the people of Israel back during the time of the judges. They went through seven different stages of bondage because every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes. And when we don't let God be the one to regulate our lives, then we're the one that's being hateful. It isn't anyone else. If we want to tear the Bible apart, for example, if we want to just 
ignore what God says about any part of our life, then we're the ones that are being hateful. And to call someone who is being loving and kind and is trying to help you to have the best in life, to tell people like that that they are committing a crime of hate is the most asinine thing that could ever be said to anyone at any time. The Christian is not hateful. If you think that they are, then you're the one that's hateful. And I know this sounds like strong language today, but I guess we have to talk a little strong like that sometime to get you to understand, to think for a while. That's our problem. Sometimes we just don't think. We just do what comes naturally. And that isn't what's going to help us today. If we really are going to get some help, we're going to turn to God first and develop a loving personal relationship with him. And that is what Jesus came to help us to do. But the next commandment is that you're not to take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. And how many times have we seen this today? Christian is based on Christ. A Christian is Christ-like. He's like Jesus. Jesus is our example. And so if we call ourselves a Christian and we're doing all the things God told us not to do, then we're not a Christian. And we're taking God's name in vain. If we profess to love God and then do things that are hateful toward Him, we're taking God's name in vain. A lot of times we think of taking God's name in vain when we use His name as curse words. And that definitely is taking His name in vain as well. But that's not the end of it. We can take His name in vain by professing to have something and attaching God to it when really we're far from what God wants us to be. So taking God's name in vain is something that's going around on big time today. People are doing it all over the place. We have Christian homosexuals. We have Christian abortionists. We have Christian organized crime people. We we have Christian hateful-spirited people. Everything and everyone seems to be Christian. But Christian is Christ-like through and through. Christian has the love of God shed abroad in his heart or in her heart. And that love helps us that what we love, we don't love anymore. And what we hate, we love. It changes our love life. And that is the basis of what is going to help us today if our love life is changed. If we know what true love really is and Love is definitely not licensed. And so to take God's name and attach it to some wicked thing that you're doing is taking his name in vain. How about the next one? And this has to do with the Lord, too, because it's commemorating the fact that he's the one who created it. You see, Jesus, God took six days to make heaven and earth. And people think, well, it took six billion years or 
six trillion years or whatever, you know, the more the better. But the Bible teaches us that probably the creation is less than 7,000 years, the whole thing. And we might ask, what was before that? God was before that. And the angels were before that. But uh, the material universe hasn't been around that long. And so to commemorate the creation, we rest like God rested. God rested on the seventh day. Now, that doesn't mean he quit doing anything. It just meant that he quit creating everything in the universe. He he rested from his creation. And he looked at it and he said, it's very good. And so, remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy, to keep it separated. And, you know, Jesus was all the time getting in trouble for doing things on the Sabbath day that the Pharisees and the Sadducees thought that you shouldn't be doing. But Jesus said you ought to be doing good things on the Sabbath. We ought to be doing that all the time, naturally. But the Sabbath day is a day of rest. And Jesus said the Sabbath was not made for man, but man, I mean, the Sabbath was not made for man, but the man, the Sabbath. Man was not made for the Sabbath, but Sabbath was made for man. I'll get it pretty soon here. So every one of us needs rest. But you notice when it talks about rest, it's even talking about the machinery resting, the cattle resting, and not just people resting, but the manservants and the maidservant, the cattle, the stranger. Everyone was to take that as a day of rest. And at that time, we were to worship the Lord. And so the Jewish Sabbath was on Saturday. It was actually sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. That's the way they counted time back in those days. And But the Christian Sabbath is on Sunday. And this commemorates Jesus' resurrection. So there's, So back in the Old Testament... The Jewish people commemorated God's creation. In the New Testament, we create, we commemorate Jesus' resurrection. It's on the first day of the week rather than the seventh day. But you know, it's really still seven days, the seventh day. We take six days and do our work, and the seventh day we stop and worship the Lord. So this is a very important thing for us. We need we need to take and remember the Sabbath day. Remember to worship God specially and commemorate His love and His grace to us. Now, the last six here have to do with our relationship with other people. We've been talking about our relationship with God and we've come to the conclusion we ought to worship Him and Him only, that we ought to serve Him with our time, our talents, and our treasure. We ought to love Him with everything that's in us. We ought to be committed to God in a way that we are not committed to anything else. 
If someone tells us to do something that's against God, we do what God tells us to do, regardless of who it is. There was a time when the disciples were told, you don't preach this message of Christ anymore, of Jesus anymore. And and these disciples said, we ought to obey God rather than man. So in loving God, we put God first in every part of our lives. So the, the last part of this is loving people, loving our neighbor as ourselves. So this is just as important as loving God, because this is a direct commandment God gives. By the way, these commandments are not suggestions. These are commandments. These are things that is either going to make or break us. If we do what God tells us to do, it's going to be for our good. And it's going to be for the good of everyone around us. Whether that person lives across the sea or whether they're our next door neighbor, it's going to be for their good. But if we don't put God first, and then we won't have the love that we need to have because God gives us that love. If we don't do that, then we're going to find our society falling apart. And what are we seeing today? Our society is falling apart because we thought we could do it better than what God wanted us to do it. And as a result of it, things are really starting to unravel. In the last segment of our program today, I want to talk about our love for one another. And so we're going to be doing that. But I want you to think seriously about this because this is probably one of the most important things that you ever hear is that our love needs to be centered around God and it needs to be a love that God gives us that will enable us to love him and love the people around us. So this is Howard Eugene Wright. I am host of Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. This is Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. Thank you for coming back with us and I trust that you are taking notice and if you do have this love in your heart today that I'm talking about, then you know what I am telling you is the truth and you know that, that this is the highway that we need to be on. The, you know, some people take the low way in the gutter. Some people take the highway in the clouds. And we need to have a balance where we're not so heavenly minded that we're no earthly good and then the other side is we're so earthly minded we're no heavenly good there has to be a balance there when we love God and we love others and this will help us to keep the balance if we have the love of God shed abroad in our heart by his Holy Spirit then we will have the balance we need to love God to have ourself in the heavenly realm 
And the Bible talks about God lifting us up into heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But our feet need to be on the ground. And when they're on the ground, we see the people around us and we love those people around us. It isn't an either or situation. It's a both and. It's loving God with everything that's in you, but also loving your neighbor as yourself. If we love our neighbor as ourself, then we're not going to have any trouble with fights and with greed taking over and and all these things that are happening to us today. If we do what I'm talking about right now, we'd have heaven on earth. There will be some day when that will be the case. But we need to realize that that love is what makes the difference. The Bible tells us that perfect love casts out fear. There's so much fear today. Fear of people, fear of circumstances, fear of what's going to happen tomorrow, what's happening today, fear of whether I'll be sick someday and not be able to take care of myself. All kinds of fear. But perfect love, the love of God, that starts out with loving God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, is is the love that will enable us to be drawn out of this life that we're in now that is in such a moral and spiritual mess. It can be changed. God can change it if we're willing to do it God's way rather than our own way. There's so many people telling us, do it this way, do it that way. Well, just go directly to God. He knows what's best, and you can find what he tells you in his word, which we call the Holy Bible. The first one for man, on man's side, on woman's side, when we're talking about men here, we're talking about mankind. And it says that we should love, we should honor our father and our mother. And this says that our days may be long upon the earth. A promise that our lives will be more complete and more fulfilling if we honor our father and our mother, our parents. If we honor them, we're not going to do things that are dishonorable. We're, we're going to respect them. We're going to respect their knowledge of things. Now, I might say here that parents, you need to be honorable to your children as well. This is not a two, uh, two-sided two thing separate. One time you were a child, and did you honor your parents? And so we need to set the example to our children so that we can, we will be honorable. But I want to talk to the children that even though your parents are not being honorable, you do the best you can to honor them anyhow, because they are your parents after all. They are your mom and dad, and you need to respect them. You need to respect the fact that they're your parents and things like this if we're going to keep that commandment. And then the other commandment is that you shall not kill. Jesus draws this farther than just murdering people. Now, there are times we see in the Bible when people were killed. We, we see Jesus uh, 
you know, we, we see that people were killed, but murder is something else. And this is talking about murder. This is talking about going out and maliciously destroying people. God said that he will do the vengeance. We need to do the loving. We need to do everything we can to help people who are not serving God and loving God like they should. We should help them to do so without being violent. We we need to be an example ourselves. So parents, you need to be that example. But here we have Killing, you shall not kill. That's a straight commandment. Jesus went one step farther. He said, if you hate your brother without a cause, in sense you murdered him. If you say that person is, is a fool, you have murdered that person. And so we need to respect people and and these commandments all go together, by the way. If you offend in one, you're guilty of all of them. So they all kind of go together. And so killing is murdering. And how many murders do we have today? How many people do we have that are being hateful spirited toward others? And that's also murdering them. Then the Bible, the next one, is committing adultery. Sex sins. Now, the Bible is very clear on this. It's one man and one woman for life. There's no exception to this. And so to have sex outside of marriage is called fornication. And that's against the Lord as well. It's against this command. And there's also spiritual fornication, uh, spiritual adultery, when we go out serving some other God rather than God. So this thing of committing adultery is being unfaithful to your companion, being unfaithful to your husband or your wife you have committed adultery. And then the next one says you shall not steal. Now, stealing is is more than just going out and taking something that doesn't belong to you. Stealing could be stealing a person's influence, telling lies about people, and they won't have the influence that they could have. So you steal their usefulness. And that you can cheat on your exams in school, and that's stealing. So there's all these are, you can do it in different ways. It says you shouldn't bear false witness against your neighbor. Shouldn't lie about your neighbor. Maybe you don't exactly like the way your neighbor's doing, so you come up with some kind of a lie about it. And the Bible is against that as well. And then we see also that it talks about that you shouldn't covet what is your neighbor's, his house, his wife, his servants, his oxen, and so on and so forth. 
You shouldn't covet your neighbor's car or your neighbor's house, your neighbor's land, and things like this. In other words, you shouldn't want it. You shouldn't think that that belongs to you. There is things that God gives other people, and they're theirs, and you have no right to them. So you see, in loving our neighbor as ourselves, it shows us very clearly in these Ten Commandments that we need to respect our family, we need to respect our commitment to our relationships with our wife and our children, our neighbors, and all those around us. We don't bear false witness. We don't lie about people. And we don't want what other people have. Today we need to get back to these standards that I'm talking to you about. Irregardless of those who are running around all over our country and probably a few others and wanting to do away with these Ten Commandments, or they want to think of them as ten suggestions. What good has that really done for us? It has done absolutely no good for us. We're in a mess today because we're away from God and away from His ways. We need to get back to God and back to His Word. And the only way we can do that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to confess our sins to God. We need to forsake our sins. And those are what I've been talking to you about. And we need to be willing to love God with everything that's in us and love our neighbor as ourselves. If we will do that, things will really change in our churches, in our homes, in our businesses, and every other part of our society. We'll have a wonderful, loving thing going on that everyone will be lifted up. No one will be pushed down by us or anything else. And on top of all of that, when we do this, God loves us in a special way, and he pours his spirit out upon us in a wonderful way. And we have a joy and a peace and all those fruit of the spirit that I've been telling you about, the rivers of living water. And you know we're up on the end of our program a day. It's been a delight talking to you. I trust that what I've said to you will be a blessing. It will be a help. It will be something you'll think about, that you'll get your Bible down and start reading it and start looking at what God wants for you to do and turn around and do it. The Lord bless you this week. And so I'm signing off, and I'll see you next week at the same time, same place. So this is your host, Howard Eugene Wright at Rivers of Living Water at TalkZone.com.